Hello all and welcome to The Media Beat, a podcast in which we discuss with experts all things media. We're on episode six now and as usual I am joined by Maureen Kerr who is a partner at Arthur D. Little and she leads the global media practice uh, and she deals with uh, media strategy and also um, investment opportunities for a variety of clients and Claire Tavernier uh, who has known Maureen for years and years and years, and oh, I am glad to say I'm getting to know as well. She's a media commentator, but she's also worked in-house as well in media organisations, large and small, setting strategy and running operations, etc. Hello to you both, as usual. Hi, Oliver. Hi, Oliver. And they're both exceedingly polite, so they never want to be the first one to say hello. So, uh, as you can imagine... Uh, Two people who very, very nice to do a podcast with. Um, we are going to cover, and I'll just go through some of the things we're going to cover uh, on, on this one so that you've got an idea of uh, where we're going. Uh, a load of announcements coming out of Warner Brothers, uh, which will go into some depth. Oh, I suppose I should say deep dive. Deep dive is a thing that all uh, all people in uh, this industry say. Deep dive into the Warner Brothers, what's happening there, the implications. Um, there's some um, numbers coming out of Disney, which don't tell the full story. And we'll um, just have a little uh, unpeel of those numbers uh, and uh, see what they really mean, rather than perhaps what Disney wants us to think. Um, we will touch on uh, Endeavour Streaming, a firm I'd never even heard about, uh, but one of those firms that provide services that you use, even though you might not necessarily know the name of them. Um, we're going to be talk about the Big Ten and other items in the news, particularly concerning the listening and viewing habits of the younger generation. Very interesting. Of course, we'll have long short at the end, as always. Uh, but let's start off with uh, Warner Brothers, as advertised. Um, so... The big announcements. Um, Maureen, I wonder if you could just uh, take us through um, what is happening there and why it is so significant. Yeah, so Oliver, uh, big announcements this week. Um, um, but actually, uh, let's let's rewind. Um, so Warner Brothers has gone through some significant changes. Um, you may recall uh, AT&T um, acquired Warner Brothers a few years back. They have now... Um, carved out Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers is merged now with Discovery. Um, there was a uh, there was a, a battle for the uh, the stewardship of the combined entity, and David Zaslav Zaslav, sorry, uh, um, who was the uh, the former uh, Discovery CEO, has now got the top job, uh, which meant that um, Jason Killer has uh, stepped away and stepped down. Now, 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 this is sort of, you know, uh, since sort of first quarter of, of this year. And so many things have happened um, under uh, the stewardship of, of, of David Zaslav. Um, in particular, the, the renaming of the company, which is uh, very difficult to get one's head around. Um, they are now known as, and Claire will help me out here, but uh, WBD. Uh, which can be confused with with many things, uh, which I'm not going to say on this uh, public broadcast. Um, but 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 uh, there's there's lots going on there, um, uh, triggered by a whole um, raft of uh, closures and change in strategy and so on and so forth. Um, and as it relates to what we're going to be discussing today, um, David, uh, the CEO, has taken a firm view on streaming. Um, and clearly indicated that while streaming is an important channel uh, for them, it is indeed not the only channel. So um, they have shuttered uh, CNN Plus, uh, and they've also um, taken a, a decision about their own film slate and how they um, how they uh, look at that film slate and how they window it either on streaming or in theatres. So a lot's going on. Um, I'll just set the scene there, um, but uh, there's, there's, there's a lot for us to unpick and discuss as we uh, move through this podcast. So what are the, um, what are the, what are the main things that have happened uh, in, in, the, in the last, since we last spoke um, that, are, that are significant? You were talking about the selling off of GB News, for example. So if I can interrupt, um, there, the first thing that, ha well, not the first thing, but the thing that was that really triggered a lot of attention was that uh, WBD cancelled a movie called Batgirl. 
uh, which will for me just means that WBD means weapons of bat destructions and I'm not ashamed of that pun but uh, the the point is this was a movie that was almost finished it had been hyped quite a lot in DC fan circles it was going to be direct to streaming they weren't planning it was one of their the previous CEO's investments in in pure streaming content so fairly sort of relatively high budget movie that wasn't going to be um, uh, shown theatrically and just would go direct to their platform HBO Max. And Zaslav and his team decided that uh, they would rather not release it and take the tax um, uh, rebate that they would get from not releasing it. And it was very much an economic decision, which, you know, if you look at the numbers, probably does make sense. Of course, it's hard when you're dealing with content to purely look at the numbers because here's a movie that was shot and there were actors in it and directors and scriptwriters and people had worked on it for eight, nine months. And people, there had been pictures of the shooting, people were expecting it and it just will, it may get leaked online, but it's essentially never going to get released. And that makes people very emotional, which is understandable. However, uh, it is clear, and this decision heralded the fact that Zaslav and his team uh, are taking a very economics-focused view of what goes and doesn't go on streaming platforms and what streaming platforms are for, which are, which is very different from, for instance, Disney Plus. And we'll talk a little bit about Disney Plus burning through money to push their platforms. Zaslav's decided that it needed to make money for <laughs> streaming platform, which is which is an interesting perspective that nobody else has had before. Uh, and so apart from cancelling Batgirl, because it became clear to them that it would never recover the, the investment there, they've also taken a lot of library content off the platform, which again is a counterintuitive move, but one that makes sense economically if you think about the fact that whenever somebody watches this content, they have to pay residuals to um, to writers, actors, etc. And it's probably not content that's attracting new subscribers. It's probably content that just sits there and, you know, doesn't really increase engagement, doesn't really increase retention. It's just a, a repository of B-list content. So they've taken the view that, that that wasn't interesting for them, that they didn't want to have loss-making content on their platform. So they're being very... It's very interesting what they're doing. It'll be interesting to see what the impact is on HBO Max or whether they continue with even more radical changes with the platform. And they, I suspect they're looking at it thinking the only reason people subscribe to HBO Max or indeed stay is for the premium HBO content, which is the Game of Thrones, the Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, that sort of thing. Although that's not HBO, sorry. But the equivalent uh, and the... And that the rest is just noise and it's expensive noise and they're going to get rid of it. So, yeah, I, I think emotionally there are very difficult decisions sometimes to understand. But if you look at it purely from a from a PNL perspective, they're very rational decisions. There's one thing that uh, um, as a punter it, uh, um, it comes to mind and it's just like you feel like you're being ripped off a little bit because you're you're buying into a massive catalogue and so you could say any episode of Seinfeld, for example, that's not a good example because that's so popular, but any episode of a really obscure sci-fi series that I was into, I can always get. And, and to lose that is sort of losing the Spotify feeling which is, um, you know, I played a very, very obscure Charles Aznavour song to my wife because she's called Louise and the song was Louise. And the fact that I could go to that was something that I love about Spotify. Not that I'm a massive fan of Charles Aznavour, but I was able to amuse my wife by playing this obscure song. And it's, isn't it a similar thing in... Um, One in of Vol? the greatest is performers it, of the 20th century. Sorry. Oh, I keep forgetting. Of course, your fellow countryman. My grandmother, who was French, by the way, always used to say, he puts on the accent, I hate him. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, that's slightly uh, 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 slightly off topic. Anyway, the ability to do that is something that makes Spotify so attractive. And, and having the, the B uh, material taken off uh, makes you feel, makes you feel uh, uh, somewhat cut short a little bit. Because uh, I always thought that the model would eventually be you pay for what you consume. 
And if the model was you pay for what you consume, the residuals wouldn't be a problem, would they? Because the residuals would simply be a percentage of what you pay and therefore the catalogues would remain. Do you think it'll ever get to that point or will it always be subscription? It won't be for, you know, pay, pay for what you consume, um, which, which doesn't seem to be a, a thing at all. Well, the first thing to say is this is actually moving towards the you pay for what you consume. I suspect they've run the numbers on HBO Max and 95% of the consumption is the big title. And so they're just taking off the rest and saying, you're not paying for these, we're taking right. them off. And 5% of the audience is going to be a bit annoyed, but that's probably not worth the money that it's costing them to keep, to keep them on the platform. Uh, to answer your second question, no, I still don't think it's ever going to go back to pay for consumption because it's a, a model that's much more expensive for the audience. And I don't think they're going to go with it. But Maureen, you may have a different view. No, I think I, I, I concur with you, Claire. Um, but back, back, back to your point of, uh, um, you know, people will move with, you know, on their on their feet effectively and and we've seen that in terms of if you look across all of the platforms and you look at their churn rates um we've seen you know figures of between six and ten percent churn and that, well, that's quite significant so 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 people are um are moving away from the various platforms or they're consolidating their their streaming services so 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 i think i think that's the reaction uh which could underpin um you know, Zazlev's and the, his management team's decisions, you know, here. He's basically saying, um, you know, if people aren't going to be watching this or if they do watch Batgirl and it's not of the standard that we expect, you know, we're going to get pretty poor reputation here. And what's expected is that we get a significant return that, that, that meets that sort of 80, 80 million uh, of, of investment. And so, you know, Claire, as you, as you said, They'll take a write-off, a tax write-off, alongside a couple of other ventures that they've cancelled. But, but, but I think, I think, I think what what the team is probably going to be doing is back to back to the drawing board to say, let's look at the data, let's look at who's watching what and when, um, and let's be very selective as what we put up on the premium um, HBO Max and what we put in theatres. And and I think they have a long-term very strong relationship with the theatres, the cinemas. Um, and so they have reversed or rather they've swung the pendulum back to uh, thinking seriously about putting putting big um, blockbuster tempo type films um, and shows uh, or films uh, back in the cinema. So um, that's what we'll see. And they have reversed their decision, uh, as I sort of mentioned earlier, the, sort of putting the entire film slate of 2021 um, on day and date release, they have reversed that to look more exclusively at the 45 day window. Um, so, so I think they're pouring over probably all the data. They've got quite a lot of it, and they'll be very selective going forward as to as to where they place uh, the, these films, which 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 costs a significant amount of money. So they need to get the return. I also think there is this question about the the 80 90 million film and where that fits. Yeah. Because it, although it yeah. sounds like a huge number, and it is a huge number, it's actually a sort of mid-sized budget, which isn't quite doesn't quite justify a massive theatrical release, but it's also a bit too big for a purely streaming release. And that was the previous CEO, Jason Killer. He very much believed in that middle ground on streaming and thought it would drive streaming um, streaming subscriptions, which you know is also something that that Netflix, for instance, had invested in. And Zaslav clearly doesn't believe in that strategy. I mean, yeah, there is probably something a little bit personal here as well about undoing every single decision that the previous CEO has done. And it does feel a little bit like that. But I think also genuinely there's an economic decision that those mid-sized fan-based movies just struggle to find an audience. And to be fair, if you look at some of the Disney investment in those sort of middle ground movies, they haven't done great. So uh, you can see why you would you would think that, although obviously yeah. for the people who are waiting to see Batgirl, it's very sad. It was funny that we were talking about, um, we were talking about sort of kind of this, this, this macho CEO uh, that you imagine American 
CEO to look like. And then when I looked up Zaslev, I didn't know what he looked like. And he was like the archetype. It was like if you Wikipedia, um, Wikipedia waspy CEO American, uh, his, his picture might come up. He's, he's definitely the kind of guy you'd think uh, would say, right, I'm going to clear out all the other stuff and, and drain the swamp kind of guy. But it has to be backed by numbers because ultimately he's going to be measured by I mean, if you, value. If, you Google, if you Google Jason Killer, who is the previous one, he's not very far physically, to be honest. There is a type. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. 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 It's funny. It seems really complex. Um, but actually, from what I know about AI, and we talked about AI a lot and numbers and data and how in all areas of business that's coming to the fore, pharmaceuticals, transport, government, whatever you whatever you imagine, uh, th- these are not beyond, the, not beyond the wit of AI to be able to make suggestions for this kind of business decision. There's a lot of data. It's very, very complex. But actually, the questions, of course, what you're trying to ask is, you know, where do I place my bets? And looking back at historical data and what TV shows have done well and what types, categorizations of TV shows have done well, is probably quite straightforward, I would imagine, um, from what I've uh, understood about what you can do with uh, quantitative data. There's a a qualitative element to it as well, because um, just because Game of Thrones was a... It was a, a massive success. That doesn't necessarily mean that House of Dragon is going to be a massive success. But even so, um, the data manipulation I'd have thought was relatively, relatively straightforward um, in this in this domain. So, um, w- what else about Warner Brothers? I just mentioned GB News, but there was something about CNN Plus being removed. Is that all about um, is that all about consolidation or re- removing catalogs that aren't making money, uh, Maureen? No, CNN, CNN Plus was uh, CNN's um, equivalent streaming for news services. So Scott Galloway was one of the uh, one of the experts that that sat on uh, CNN Plus, um, and I think it lasted. I'm going to say either 14 days or maybe 21 days, maybe maybe less, um, and that just happened to fall. Uh, Onto the uh, onto the uh, David Zaslav's table, when 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 he entered uh, the organisation and said, "That's got to go." <laughs> so, I mean, I have to so say, this one to... felt like yeah. it was going to go anyway. I think it was probably going to go anyway, but I didn't give it that much of a chance. No. But if you listen to Scott Galloway, he was like, "Whoa, we were surprised." I didn't think corporate America behaved that way, so they were a bit sort of you know. Their egos were a bit hurt, um, but yeah. If if you look at CNN and Plus, I mean, not many people knew about it, <laughs> so you know, and uh, it was probably inevitably going to be switched off. But uh, you know, I think that was just a symbol, a sign uh, that that the management team uh, are going to take these things seriously and they're going to switch stuff off if it doesn't make economic sense, and it didn't make economic sense at that stage. Yeah, oh, and then so that was the end of CNN. Uh, and yeah, it didn't make an economic sense there. I think, and nobody—it feels like this project that was dead before it started, and it just needed somebody to kill it. And Dazlav was quite happy to be the bad guy. But yeah, uh, as somebody who launched the Financial Times, Carphone Warehouse, MVNO back in the, the year 2000 and closed it down within 20 days, sometimes a project is dead before it starts. And I think this one may have been in the same category. Uh, I yeah. It, it feels like it was a, a sort of vanity project that should not have been started. And let's not forget the economic reality of WBD. You know, they are not Disney. We can talk about the financials of Disney. They are. Ha- they will have to make difficult decisions. I mean, I'm not uh, not trying to be a Zaslav apologist here, but, you know, it, they are in a situation where they absolutely need to look at their numbers and make some tough decisions. And, yeah. and Warner Brothers was very much, you know, don't forget sitting behind AT&T and benefited from all of the AT&T subscribers, you know, and the bundling and, and whatnot, and also the capital. So now it's, you know, carved out, it's got to stand on its own feet and, and you know, um, and, and justify commercial decisions, um, you know. And, and David is probably one of the toughest, one of the, uh, you know, he's a veteran of the industry and he will make these tough decisions because he doesn't care about being popular and liked you know you know he'll just get on that's why psychopaths psychopaths make excellent um uh ceos uh please don't tell 
uh, our, our boss that uh, Claire uh, uh, Maureen sorry uh, it's it's very good to not be able to uh, have too much of this business at the end of the day what is this thing about putting plus at the end of everything making it sound better should we maybe uh, we could rename the media practice uh, ADL ADL plus Maureen what do you think I think you know it just sounds a little bit more premium. No, any, it? anything plus is just no, no, no. Please don't do plus. Everyone's used plus. Pluto plus. Yeah, exactly. HBO Max, HBO plus. Uh, or maybe multiply plus. sign. Do an Ed Sheeran and use the multiply sign. So uh, ADL multiply. ADL with an X. ADL X. Oh, but, but I do the X. Well, I do the X. I've done the X, Maureen. Remember, I was FMX. Yeah. Done yeah. before Ed Sheeran. Oh, that's your letter. Oh, that's your letter, is it, Claire? Uh, X-Factor. 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 Claire, Claire is the embodiment of yes. X-Factor. Oh, right. Maybe they'll retire that letter like they retire sports numbers uh, when a very famous person retires. Anyway, uh, I guess we could move on to Disney now, right? Um, it makes sense. Decent segue. So uh, if you look at the top line numbers, what I'm hearing um, in my naive way is that uh, there are more subscribers on Disney plus than on Netflix. That sounds incredible. It also sounds a bit like they're being a bit sneaky with the numbers. Um, I, I don't think they've been sneaky about the numbers. The numbers are factual. Uh, but what uh, belies those numbers is, 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 is how, how they are, um, how they get, how they're acquiring those subscribers and whether or not these subscribers are for the long term. So instead of looking at subscribers, um, it, one should really be looking at the ARPU, so the average uh, revenue per user, and that is what is uh, uh, pretty pretty interesting and uh, significant. So uh, while Disney is acquiring subscribers, uh, they are doing it uh, at a cost. So we've noticed and we can see that their ARPU is significantly down um, while their net subscribers are, are, are up. Um, and, that, and that's the thing that we should be looking at rather than the... Rather than the um, you know the fact it's beating. I'm just going to look up the ARPU now. What I can see, yeah. So, so the subs are up two percent, two and a half percent. So those uh, ARPU though is down one point two percent, and that's very much because of the way Disney is, is is acquiring, and in different regions. So in India, for example, it's significantly low in terms of uh, price points. Um, and I recall, and I said this the other day that I I received a. Uh, I received a text message from my Tesco club card saying, don't forget, you've got six months free um, access to Disney Plus. And I was very surprised. That's another affiliation. Um, I'd seen all the mobile operators offering um, a combination of Disney and or Apple Plus. So so the way they're acquiring the subscribers, again, it's, uh, it's boosting the numbers. It's not boosting uh, their average revenue per user. And that's, that's a significant indicator. So ARPU is down. Yeah. So they're buying, uh, they're buying new subscribers, really. And and then yeah. the other thing just to remember is that Disney Plus isn't bigger than than Netflix. And this isn't, I wouldn't say that Net, that Disney has even said that, but that's definitely what's been presented in the media. It's the total subscribers of Netflix of Disney across all their services. That number is higher than Netflix. But Disney Plus. Uh, so the, the total, uh, I think the total is two. 150, yeah. So it's 150 compared to 200 plus for Netflix. Yeah. But you're right, Claire. They've bundled in ESPN plus Hulu, Hulu, Hulu and live TV. They've thrown in everything. Yeah. They've thrown in a kitchen sink to get that number, which is above Netflix, which is not. Apple's Disney Plus, yeah. Disney Plus themselves, exactly. It's 150, which is lower than Netflix. And quite a lot of that is their hot star venture in India. Actually, a lot of the, the, the game has been in India because they've had some new rights there that have done really well, but also because they're bundling like crazy and lowering, the, you know, just trying to acquire as many. One, they want to push the subscriber numbers up, which makes sense. And secondly, yes, there is churn, but there's loss, there's also some inertia. So once people have been hooked onto the service, they may well stay. Some people will drop out after the free period or the lower the lower tier period, but then they will uh, they will come back. Uh, or it's, but you know a proportion will stay, so it's worth doing that. But it's yes, it wouldn't be entirely fair to say that Disney Plus is now bigger than Netflix. That would not be a good representation of reality, to be honest. The other thing that I thought was really interesting in their in their results is that their they, Netflix, as far as I understand, has been very clear that their 
ad-supported tier was going to be free and ad-supported, whereas uh, Disney's taking a different perspective, which is that the ad-supported tier is going to be the price that it is right now for people with no ads. And then the people who don't want ads are going to have a significant increase in price, certainly in their bigger markets. So that's going to be interesting in terms of where it does churn. I have, I'm, I mean, Maureen, you're certainly very confident, and so am I, that they can deliver the advertising. But I thought it was quite an quite a strong position to say that you would, if you wanted to keep paying what you're paying, you were going to have to have advertising added. Yeah, because I think that they're going to have to come to market with some very clever advertising to or promotion, I should say, to to to, to explain that because everybody has this you know view that you know ad funded means free. Um, and to to actually keep that, you're right. To keep that six ninety nine US dollars, you know, and then push up ten ninety nine for existing existing subscribers. That's a pretty big step, um, and I think we'll see some probably possible churn there um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and that, and I think um, December the eighth is the date where those uh, the ad funded layer uh, goes live. Uh, in the US, but I don't know about the international markets. I think that's in 2023. So all eyes will be on the Christmas period. It's an interesting time for the Christmas period, isn't it? Well, it is probably because of the Christmas. I mean, you know, this is interesting. So on the toy eyes. So I think that makes sense. And they will start with a very, very strong quarter because of Christmas, which will, I think it's, it's a smart day to start with. And they, they've said there's strong advertiser demand, which I'm not surprised because it's just the key advertising, especially for kids, it's the key advertising period. But then, you know, what happens in January, February? Will there be churn? You know, will the subscriber number, with the new subscriber numbers fall? Will advertisers stick around when there isn't a Christmas at the horizon? Those are big questions. There seems to be some other dynamic maybe in, um, in Disney in that have they got, presumably a lot of cash so they can they can afford to buy customers do they have a lot of cash from their uh the theme parks and other sources of revenue presumably is is that also yeah i mean they're, they're still they're still not making a lot of money right now but they certainly the, the theme parks are doing super well right now including disneyland paris yay uh but uh, also the domestic i the u.s theme parks there's, there's definitely been bent up demand during the pandemic but it's also generally they've done a lot of investment technology investment try and get people to queue less and go through things more and spend more money and this all seems to be paying off so yes that is the part of the of the revenues and end profits that are that is looking that is looking incredibly positive at the moment and it does help because if you have a side business that's not directly linked to your main business and that's doing well you know that's the, at the moment where you're investing a lot it's very helpful yeah yeah okay um maybe we can move on to endeavor streaming um again a firm i'd never i'd never heard of but something significant happening with them um i think you mentioned something to do with uh ufc which is something that i do sometimes watch but i feel like i shouldn't watch due to the uh, due to its violent nature um but that sort of brings us into um uh, the subject of sport broadcasting as well what's what's the story there claire i'll start with you uh, so Maureen knows more about the UFC uh, deal than I do, so I will let her talk about that. Endeavor is actually a big production company, uh, film and content and TV production company that's uh, emerged over the last few years and has invested a lot in, in premium content, but more sort of um, scripted content that they've sold to a lot of platforms. But having acquired, as far as I understand, the rights for UFC, which is that sports, sports i'm doing air quotes uh they have um decided as many of their content uh part peers before to try and get into the d2c the direct consumer market and launch their own streaming platforms it speaks to uh definitely a, a big push around sports rights at the moment with some really big numbers being thrown around for either live or streaming sports rights with the big 10 conference which is a u.s group of college sports um rights having done a massive deal right now with with a few players so there's definitely a renewed interest in in sports of all kinds so, so this is a 
Endeavour is an interesting one, actually, because they, um, so Claire, Claire is absolutely right, they have the, the production arm as well as um, the rights arm, and uh, Ari Emanuel is the CEO. They, they listed uh, a while back and they had to carve out the content uh, part of the business, um, and that's actually had a significant indent. Uh, in their uh, or dent, I should say, in their in their overall business. So they've been fighting for, you know, one side of the business to get more rights or to move deeper into sports and the like. So this this initiative that we've referred to in terms of UFC is 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 what they're trying to do. Is is playing out that they are looking to compete with uh, the fangs. So the big tech tech companies who are also going after sports rights and live in particular. And, and, and this, this was significant because of two things. One is um, uh, they're able to nudge out the, uh, uh, the, 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 the big tech players. Uh, they are experimenting in Brazil at the moment and the Brazilian market for the UFC uh, and, 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 and that deep direct-to-consumer proposition. So it's another player that believes that they're going to get closer to and, and arm themselves with all, all informational data around their, their viewers. And so this is what was quite significant, that they are feeling confident um, about uh, being able to secure rights and also um, experiment with the DTC platform. As we all know, you know, customer acquisitions in the sports area, are pretty significant costs. So um, they're actually doing quite, quite well. So that was that was the significance of, of, of mentioning Endeavor. Um, but, yeah, it's quite it's not as clear and transparent as to how much of that sort of content side is, is carved out and what sort of relationship do they have as two separate entities. Um, but in the US, there are quite strict regulations. And when it was IPO'd, strict regulations between production of content and rights and representation. Um, and, and that's still something of, a, of an issue in the US market. It's just but extraordinary yeah, how... Point about yeah, it's extraordinary how big the the sports uh, sports are in, in the states uh, i always find it amazing when i look at the the money generated by the various leagues around the world and the only one that even makes a dent on the big three which i guess uh, football baseball and basketball in the u.s is the premiership and the premiership is by far the most popular football uh, um, as in soccer as they'd say in america uh, in in the world and it's the world sport and yet uh, those other three leagues dominate uh, the revenues—it's incredible. And I think you, what you were saying in the the college football deal, and everybody knows, of course, that college football is absolutely uh, massive in the states. You'll get like a hundred thousand people turning up to a college game, won't you? In Michigan, for example. Um, in fact, my friend played for his university uh, in soccer, and he met an American guy and said he was a college soccer player. And of course, the guy thought he was going to be in the Premiership the next year. Uh, and of course, my friend didn't disabuse him of that notion. Um, but you were saying that the college football deal was, was it really $1 billion per year over 10 yeah. years? First thing I will say is I have been to that stadium uh, in, Anna, in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan, which does does put, uh, does put have 100,000 capacity, which is enormous. I think it's one of the biggest stadiums in the world for a college football. Small university town, college town, as they say in the US. So it is definitely a very... It's very, very big business. It's also interesting because this being college football, they don't sell any alcohol in the stadium, but everybody gets there earlier and gets super drunk before going in. It's a very weird thing. Anyway, moving on, the Big Ten, which is this this sort of college football um, league. Uh, yes, they can, they've done a seven-year, $7 billion media rights agreement with, and interestingly, with Fox, CBS, and NBC. So they used to have a deal with ESPN, uh, they've cut out the ESPN in this round. They've obviously gotten more money from the others. Maureen pointed out that Fox is also owned by Disney this year, this days, which I completely forget because Disney is this enormous machine and I completely, I always forget what's in it and what's not. So it's still Disney money, but it's not ESPN, which is obviously the big, the big sports player in the US. So that's, that's an interesting um, change, I guess. But yes, enormous amounts of money. Uh, but a seven-year deal—it's—it's it's a long deal. Indeed, I, I, keep, I keep I keep I keep reminding people that don't forget Disney acquired Fox at the same time as Comcast acquired uh, Sky. So Rupert Murdoch, a couple of years back, made the most spectacular decision of saying, um, "Look, I've got Fox Studios, and I cannot compete with these big boys. You know, Netflix and Amazon are spending just billions, and so." 
he made a, a non-emotional decision to say, all right, I'll sell. And he got, he had uh, Brian Roberts, um, and at the time I think it was Bob Igor, uh, competing, competing for these, bus- these businesses and got the most extraordinary valuation on both, on both. So, so Sky, he's 40% share in Sky, went to Comcast, Brian Roberts, and then uh, Fox Studios went, went to Disney, much to the uh, uh, disappointment, I think, of many institutional investors and indeed the board to say, you have paid is just a ridiculous price. However, though, look, Fox is doing extremely well. Fox's uh, is advertising revenues are up. And as, as Claire's just alluded to, they've just secured an extraordinary um, agreement for, for the Big Ten, the Big Ten renewal. So Fox Sports is, uh, is doing pretty well. And of course, as we know, with Fox Sports and sports generally, the whole betting environment in the US has been opened up. So that also is going to be some great affiliate, uh, affiliate fees and, and, and other direct to consumer revenues for them. So, so I think it's a, I think at the end of the day, after a couple of years, you can say that that was a really good, a really good deal. Can, can we do something about betting? Uh, does that fall into your uh, into your um, uh, portfolio of media? Because um, I just want to boast that I I, I made a, a decent amount of uh, cash on um, Nottingham Forest getting their first Premiership win um, uh, uh, last time. Uh, so I have a, I have a personal interest in the in the betting area. Does that does that fall within media betting? Yes, I'd love yeah, to have yeah, a conversation yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, it does. You've got Sky oh. Bets. You've got yeah, yeah. Oh, Sky oh, Bets no. still exist. I think it was turned off. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm a, uh, I, 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 I go for the markets myself. So uh, Betfair, uh, Betfair, because that's sort of uh, set by the punter. So I find that more democratic. Uh, and like most people who like a flutter, you'll only hear when we win. So you probably think, why isn't Oliver a millionaire? Because he keeps telling us all these bets he wins. And I somehow let it slip when I've actually lost one by betting on Tottenham to win. Um, are, we, um, are we ready to move on to the news, uh, ladies? I think we probably are. Um, so yeah, so some things that we were uh, you were talking about, uh, Claire, off air, as we say in the profession, um, the news about uh, the viewing habits of, uh, I suppose, Gen Z. There's actually a Gen Alpha now as well. I noticed uh, when I looked at my generations um, in terms of uh, streaming. Um, I think there's been a significant inflection point in the data in the US and um, similar news coming out of Ofcom. Um, Claire, could you take us us through those uh, bits of news? Yes. So in the US this month, streaming overtook cable. Uh, streaming, watching streaming videos uh, over, over, came cable watching, which is the, for the first time. I mean, it was, it's been growing for a while, as you'd expect, and cable's been pulling for a while, so it was always going to cross. And it may not, it may cross back for, you know, who knows, this is August and it's a silly month, but it's an interesting trend, obviously. And in parallel, uh, Ofcom in the UK has released their, their newest, um, usage um, stats and it shows that um, not surprisingly 18 to 24 years old year olds uh, prefer streaming they spend they've the, the time they spend watching live TV has fallen by two-thirds over the last decade which is extraordinary uh, and they now watch traditional TV seven times less than those age 65 and over so there's a real generational gap here now the interesting thing is they may not be watching in the same way, but they may be watching the same thing because obviously in the UK, a lot of streaming uh, is ha- happens on, for instance, the iPlayer, the BBC iPlayer. So the content may not be that different, but the, the consumption patterns are very, very different uh, with the younger generation just not being interested in switching on TV to see what happens there. And rather they have this sort of go to a platform and watch something that they've chosen uh, attitude. So you get a sort of um, living room in the in the UK, and I suppose the same in the US, where there's just like three or four people sitting around on their own laptops with their headphones on, watching different things. Which is a bit sad, really. You're together, but you're I, not. Do you you're know not what, Oliver? I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of communal watching, and there's been stats around that, which I don't have to hand. But a lot of streaming happens in 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 uh, groups even for younger oh, generations. So they watch it on the big TV. They just watch it uh, on demand rather than watch. So they get together and they choose something to watch together, but they will choose uh, rather than just watch what's on TV. It's like video on collective demand, yeah. uh, in, in a sense. Maybe it's a new category. Actually, thinking about it, my daughter does come down and says, do you fancy watching Dairy Girls? 
which my wife doesn't like particularly, but me and uh, my daughter do, for example. And that's right, it is a communal thing. You're absolutely, on my, this one data point, <laughs> that is dairy girls in my household, uh, I, I, I see your point, which is quite nice. So we still there, uh, we're still social creatures. So the advent of video on demand hasn't completely taken away the desire for the collective enjoyment of a piece of entertainment, which is quite nice to um, think about, really. And, 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 and as an adjacent and adjacent comment, uh, I saw some statistics about uh, Roblox and the metaverse. You know, as we can, as one one, what you talk about Roblox, you talk about the metaverse. I think that's anonymous, but their 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 statistics uh, are quite revealing for uh, two things: one, just a significant number of hours. Uh, so this attention economy is uh, is it, you know back to sort of social environment. So these 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 seven to twelve year olds, um, can, which is the which is the age demographic that's monetizable for um for, for roblox i mean that is that is up 25 percent. so you can imagine what what are these what are these kids doing you know they are they are in you know with their uh, they're playing these games together in a communal environment you know and and interestingly for roblox they're they're encouraged by uh, the aging up of that demographic so they're also engaging um, the, the seventeen-year-olds and, and plus. So it's it's a phenomenal um, sort of you know set of numbers that really reflects a, a really interesting social change here. That 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 Roblox I think is going to be you know the go the go-to place, the metaverse you know for 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 entertainment um, and for and not only entertainment but for social social gatherings around their wonderful little product sets and games and stuff. So That's- yeah. Amazing, isn't it? The actual product itself evolves with the generation who first took it on. Um, I I suppose Minecraft, I wonder if that's an example of that, because that was for very small children. It it seems to have grown up much, much, much more sophisticated. uh, And maybe it's grown at the same rate as the generation that first took it on. I'm not an expert. It was just coming out when my son was there. Yeah, I mean, products that are very age-bound have two options. Either they have to keep acquiring new young users... And think about Peppa Pig, you know, obviously that you age out of Peppa Pig at some point, but you will naturally get a whole new great group of people coming in. Or they try to, and you know, the interactive products, the games are much more, um, much more suited to that. They try to age with their users. I mean, think about Nintendo and Super Mario and all of that. That's also aged quite, quite well with users. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Um yeah, I never thought of that. Uh, that's um, that's a whole new phenomenon. It, uh, it's uh, it's it's crazy. I, I, I suppose um, they used to have this idea of um, user-driven storylines. Uh, in, in, in they sort of experimented with user-driven storylines, and then user-driven storylines basically turn into games. Uh, games. Yeah, user-driven storylines story do not work in scripted content i have done that and it's not it's they're two very different parts of the brain basically whether you are sitting back and getting getting told the story or whether you're playing the story so it's there they don't really mesh very well Uh, i did a interactive storyline on family affairs you remember that soap on channel five which actually factoid is where idris elba started his career nobody remembers that uh but anyway we did a should he leave his wife to go with his lover kind of storyline and it was uh yeah it didn't really work very well but mostly most of the viewers of family affairs thought he should stay with his wife and ditch the lover not not entirely surprisingly but it doesn't work because it feels fake and it doesn't feel like you're really telling the right story. The ultimate interactive storyline are the talent shows we ended up figuring out because there you actually write ah, the story. Of course. Uh, and yeah, yeah. You actually are writing the story of who stays and who goes versus, you know, scripted chain, you know, which are so bound by various other res- restrictions that it doesn't feel real. And also, there are almost infinite amounts of possibilities with this. With, yeah. So you've got to write an infinite amount of scripts if you're going to do it ahead of time. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I had a book once where it said, uh, if you want to pick up this uh, element, turn to page 41. And if you want to oh, go yeah. to sleep, turn Choose to page your own adventure books. They were very famous yeah. at some point. For a very, very short period yeah. of time. Um, 
I think uh, time is marching on. We might well be, and we've got a few long and shorts. We've got quite a long list of long and shorts. Let's 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 move on to that. Some of them are really easy. Some of them I know the answer to, but others are more subtle as ever. Are you ready? And I will actually name the person that I'm going to go to first as well, because you're so polite. You don't want to talk over each other. Um, so long and short. Here we go. Um, Disney, Maureen. Long. Claire? Uh, I mean, okay, I'm just going to say short, not in the sense that I think they're going anywhere, but I think they're going to get off their current winning streak at some point. So it's going to be a bit more difficult for them in the long, in the long, medium term. Oh, we can't have long, uh, medium, can short, I add that? Can I add, I, I, I think you're right. I think, I think I go short on the, on the streaming advertising and possibly there, there's going to be significant churn in the first quarter of next year. However, as a diversified business, I'm long. I'm truly long on it. Yeah, yeah. no, so am I. So I agree with Maureen. <laughs> uh, excellent. I can't stand falling out. Uh, Netflix, let's go with Claire first. Ooh, Netflix. Netflix is short at the moment. Hopefully they'll recover. Claire? Uh, that, for me as well, short with a view that it's going to be acquired by Microsoft. Ooh. Wow, that is a great call. I wonder if I can get some money on that on Betfair. Let me, uh, they probably don't have a media section. Um, I like it. You heard it here first, folks. Commission for me. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm happy. Uh, you heard it here first. Um, Theatre, or as we say in the UK, cinema, um, especially kids. And I will go with Claire. Cinemas are long i think they are getting there's something it's they're, they're not going anywhere they may change and evolve but i think they've had a good summer do you think you might actually get a, a cinema where people go and play games with each other on a massive screen something like that I just like sort of, yeah that is esports could be oh, me. <laughs> i thought i just invented something there claire uh claire <laughs> cinemas <laughs> sorry maureen cinemas yeah very medium long as well yeah medium long uh, <laughs> It's really sitting on the fence, isn't it? Yeah. No, we can't I, I have think, medium. Think, That's for, ridiculous. For the big chains, I'm, I'm slightly concerned about. For the smaller ones, maybe. Well, how know, interesting. Uh, although they're really expensive. Almost £20 for an everyman ticket to go and see Bullet Train. And then I, I, I was able to pay, you know, under £10 at uh, Cineworld. It's a plug for both things. It's extraordinary. Yeah. 20 quid. Yeah, that's not right. And we talked about people getting bigger and bigger TVs, so is ever going to cross mm. over. But we are still social creatures, and it is quite nice seeing a new blockbuster. Sorry, seeing Maverick with all those old Top Gun fans was quite a laugh, actually. So mm. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have um, wanted to watch that at home. Uh, advertising Wall Gardens, and we're going to start. That's a, that's a clear one. Is it? I think Maureen knows more about Definitely. this topic, but I think uh, oh. they are, I will say, sure, this, in the sense that there are new players on the block that are actually making a dent for the first time in many years. I'm with um, Claire on that, short, yeah. I love the trade desk, and I think they're really at Google. And, of course, we've got the cookies and the UID too, so, yeah. Although we should talk about this at next time, but the cookies are not going anywhere for a while, so maybe it's a bit short. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think we need to say trade desk then. I think the answer is obvious. Trade desk. It's a long. Yeah. yeah. Long. So long. You can't see it. Infinity. It's elongated long. <laughs> infinitely long. Well, let's just keep this binary. Um, now we have our favourite CEO, uh, David Zaslav. Uh, Maureen, start with you. Yeah, long. Those, those, those dark glasses are going to get him everywhere. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. He's long. I mean, you know, you take a 50-year-old white man and put him in Hollywood, but it's not to like it. But even beyond that, I actually think he's started very strong at WBD. It's uh, making strong calls, and I think in many cases the right ones, so long. Yeah. 50, here's to 50-year-old 50 uh, white men, uh, the, the most put-upon demographic on earth. God bless them. Um, Batgirl. Oh, dear. That's, that's an easy one. I know the answer to this, but uh, uh, Claire, I'll give you your shout. Oh, it's short. It's very sad. I mean, I do think it's going to have some sort of streaming life at some point. 
but it will not be for I don't know actually it's not even been finished I don't know I feel very sad for the creators that's the problem with these decisions but yeah short and bad girl yeah short for me I think it's pretty awful isn't it you're the director or two directors and the and actress, sitting over having a vacation movie, you know you're yeah you, and then they're told yeah <laughs> Someone's just cut you off. It was that young girl. It was her big break. Yeah, she yeah. shot it for six to eight months, but then never comes out. I mean, you know, I'm sure she'll do amazingly well in other things, but it's it's a big knock to take. Well, hopefully her name's out there. And the fact, the fact that it, was, yeah. it sort of made her famous, it's sort of like a no, no news is um, bad, no publicity is bad publicity, hopefully for her. But you're right, it was probably done on WhatsApp or something. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, here's one. Uh, Brad Pitt. Mm. I'm a fan, personally. I think the th- I, I always think with Brad Pitt, he's so good to look at. God, he's aging so well as well. Um, not a hint of bitterness, but he's actually a really good entertainer. I mean, he's a good good actor, but he can be quite funny. He's 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 really a, a star to me. He's not just a pretty boy. But anyway, let's get your views. Let's start with Maureen. All long, and <laughs> he'll get the Oscar in 2023 for Bullet Train. Wow. I need to see work right now. Yeah, I think professionally probably long. He's made some uh, he's made some good choices recently. He's uh, has a, a bit of a renewal in his career. He's had a few PR troubles, but nothing compared to some of his peers. Uh, not naming names, and so I think he will ride that wave and continue. So yeah, long. And finally, uh, Donna Strong, um, uh, CEO of Sky. For those who don't know. Uh, let's start with Maureen again. Donna Strong, uh, yeah, long. Um, I think she's uh, she's made a good start over at Sky. Uh, she's obviously uh, one of the, uh, the sort of rising stars in Comcast, and she's also I think she had a spell at Sky a few years back. So uh, yeah, I think she's uh, she, she, she's long. She's long for me. Yeah, I think she's. Uh, I think Sky Claire. is going to do well. It'll be interesting to see what happened with House of Dragon. They have clearly uh, spent a lot of money promoting it, but they are hoping that it will help their streaming service. And I think it will now TV. So yes, long on Dana and Sky. That's a great way to uh, end. Uh, um, uh, Two successful executives making it in the world today. Um, I was going to say, hey, we're out of time. But what a ridiculous thing to say that is on a podcast. Even people on podcasts still say it, although podcasts can vary in length. That's their beauty. So we're not out of time. Uh, So what I should really say is that we've reached a point in time where we have packed in as much content as we wanted to on this episode of The Media Beat, to be perfectly um, honest. Excellent. Well, it only remains for me to say uh, thank you again. As usual, I've learned tons. I really want to do something about gambling. Um, hang on, that sounds like I'm making a confession and this is some kind of intervention. And I don't want to do anything about my gambling habit. It's certainly under control, but it would be nice to, to talk about that. Um, I've actually worked in the gambling industry as well. I find it absolutely uh, fascinating. So let's think about that for uh, maybe a future episode. But uh, first, I shall say to Claire, thank you very much, Claire. Thank you. And now I'll say to Maureen, thank you very much, Maureen. And um, see you both next time. And I hope it's very soon. Thank you, Oliver.